0: Thank you, Moxie. From the top. okay. 51. The economy's triumph as an independent power inevitably also spells its doom, for it has unleashed forces that must eventually destroy the economic necessity that was the unchanging basis of earlier societies. Replacing that necessity by the necessity of boundless economic development can only mean replacing the satisfaction of primary human needs, now met in the most summary manner by a ceaseless manufacture of pseudo-needs, all of which come down, in the end, to just one, namely the pseudo-need for the reign of an autonomous economy to, to continue. Such an economy irrevocably breaks all ties with authentic needs, to the precise degree that it emerges from a social unconscious that was dependent on it without knowing it. Whatever is conscious wears out, whatever is unconscious remains unalterable, Once freed, however, surely this too must fall into ruins. 52. By the time society discovers that it is contingent on the economy, the economy has in point of fact become contingent on society. Having grown as a subterranean force until it could emerge sovereign, the economy proceeds to lose its power. Where economic id was, there ego shall be. The subject can only arise out of society, that is, out of the struggle that society embodies. The possibility of a subject's existing depends on the outcome of the class struggle, which turns out to be the product and the producer of history's economic foundation. 53. Consciousness of desire and the desire for consciousness together and indissolubly constitute that project which in its negative form has as its goal the abolition of classes and the direct possession by the workers of every aspect of their activity. The opposite of this project is the society of the spectacle— where commodity contemplates itself in a world of its own making. And now I'm supposed to say something deep. (laughs) (laughs) All right. I'm just going to go through 51, 52, 53, sort of why I think these three passages are fucking awesome, especially when you take them together. In 51, I really like the concept um, that capitalism has replaced genuine human needs with an almost endless supply of manufactured needs, um, needs that has created in people's minds that it then, like, you know, handily provides the satisfaction for through commodity. Um, And that in the end, all of these, like, pseudo-needs mask the one super-giant pseudo-need that capitalism should exist and continue to exist no matter what. Um, And that, like, capitalism doesn't exist in a vacuum. It creates a social and psychological institutions and and ramifications and intonations that are inseparable from it as an economic system and yeah I've definitely noticed that like when I stopped relying on stores to provide me with what I need from life and went to like dumpsters or just hand-me-downs or just you know different things like that um I noticed that It was really exciting that I could get all this crap for free and was, like, really amazed at, like, all of the amazing stuff that's thrown out all the time or whatever. But then you get to the point where it's, like, I don't want this shit. Like, this is actually just junk. Like, it shouldn't... It doesn't only just belong in the trash. Like, it should never have been made. And it was, you know, a recognition of my own pseudo-need for crap. Um, It's still something I fight. Yes, it's true, but, um you know, that's, that's a pretty clear example in my life of how I've noticed this thing at work. And then 52 it's really, I think, really powerful, and maybe one of the most important things to realize is that capitalism has distorted and transformed social life with by these pseudo-needs and all the pseudo-satisfaction of these needs, and it's led to a system of alienation and commodification and all of that that keeps people apart, and... Therefore it's like created a society that depends on the economy. Like we can't function in, as independence or as a social network without some level of commodification and alienation. But at the same time, because the economy has to rely on our alienation and commodification to do its dirty work, um, we it's like a Achilles heel for it. And when we like take real direct steps to end the alienation and to resist commodification and all of this, then we actually are attacking the um, not only the social system, but the economy. And that's really exciting for me. Um, yeah, and if just more people stopped using commodities to pseudo-sa- pseudo-satisfy pseudo-needs, it's the house of cards. Uh, I think in this case it's like credit cards um, would come collapsing down. And uh, yeah, that's what I want, so... Um, 53, I really like the phrase consciousness of desire and the desire for consciousness. And I think the the need to find in ourselves and in our friends and our lovers our real desires and our real needs and to, like, actively pursue their satisfaction in a real and direct way is really important. And, um, I like the idea that it begins with some sort of, well, it doesn't necessarily begin temporally, but some point like you need to get in touch with your own desires and what you want out of life and what what your life needs are but then the next step is to see them in other human beings and just start realizing that your autonomy can only be a collective autonomy and yeah so to be conscious of your own desires and then desire consciousness of others desires and that's like the real project of de-alienating the world and attacking the economic system and all of this so and then you know the conclusion of that is that the the alternative to doing something like Gita Board is is you know promoting is just to live in a society of the spectacle where everything our own desires one another our relationships the world economy everything comes to us is like almost an observation and is separated from something that we have a real and active power to do something about Fuck the Society of the Spectacle.